Welcome to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast with James Coyle and Kylie Hutchinson. So welcome everybody to Adventures in Evaluation Podcast. Uh, I'm James Coyle and that's Kylie Hutchinson. Hi Kylie. Hi everybody, how are you? I'm doing well. How was your week this week? Uh, yeah, my week wasn't great, but uh, I, I'm not going to bore people about it. But I have to tell you, James, I am kind of on borrowed time. It's uh, 8.30 and I've stuck my kid. I'm a single mom this week. I've stuck my kid in front of a video. So I don't know how long I have until she walks in and interrupts us. It doesn't. You don't mean you've kicked your husband out of the house. It's just that he's off doing something much more fun. Way more fun. He's hiking in the Rockies, yeah, and I'm so oh, here. I love the Alpine country. Yeah. But you know what else I love? Here's well, my, I, my very, very sweet segue. <laughs> I, I love my evaluation resources. Oh, so do I. I don't know if I would take them hiking. No. But what would you do, as you mentioned last week, what would you do if you had to go to a desert island with just a few? So we're going to do that old desert island, uh, you know, sort of list, maybe our top five. Does that sound reasonable to you? I don't have five. I have more than that. But, well, uh, me too. I've got okay. some honorable mentions. Oh, do you? Okay. All right. Yeah. This is almost about as bad as when I was 14 or 15. I had to decide between which Led Zeppelin album I might bring. <laughs> so, desert well, island discs. Yeah. Okay. So I'll t- how about I tell you my top five? And then we okay. can kind of um, discuss, you know, which ones we don't, we haven't compared notes. So maybe there's some overlap. Yeah, sounds good. And uh, we can kind of uh, unpack the ones that we're most interested in and kind of why we like them. Okay. Yeah, no, that sounds great. Go ahead. So, um, you know, if it's not already obvious, I'm a big fan of a number of evaluators, but especially Michael Quinn Patton. So, no. Yeah, it's, uh, I know. I'm shocked. I know. My wife's almost jealous, but, you know. <laughs> So I think what I would take, uh, if I couldn't take Michael to a desert island, because he'd be the ultimate resource, um, and I'm, he'd be great company, I would probably take uh, two of his books. I would definitely take his newer developmental evaluation book, because it's such a landmark resource. Um, uh, I'd also take the utilization-focused evaluation book. I'd take the fourth edition, mm-hmm. um, and uh, for any number of reasons we can get into later. I think what I'd really like to take, if it wasn't my iPhone or it wasn't on my computer, is access to the eval talk. Oh, okay. So, so the eval talk is that American Evaluation Association sort of sponsored, uh, yeah. hosted uh, by the University of Alabama, I think it is. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's really an old school listserv that uh, I find indispensable. So tell me this, James, because, you know, I've gone on and off eval talk over the years and it reaches a point where it it starts being about toxic to me i just <laughs> I, I just can't handle the the amount in my inbox i'm drowning in it and uh so i have to go off so mm. so what is it that you that you get out, out of it well i've been looking at it for a couple of years and we've we've sort of surfaced that you know while you were in evaluation class i was listening to bad music <laughs> and so maybe you you're just hearing some of the same uh, conversations come around i have too what um, uh, what I find uh, easy about it is the way I manage the topics that I'm interested in. So actually, I have them all point right to my phone, my smartphone. And so at any time of the day, I'll see what comes in. And if I have a few minutes, I'll just scan the topics. And once I read the first uh, couple, if it's of use or relevance to me, um, you know, I, I'm going to follow that thread. And others, not at all, or I already know the answer, or I think, oh, I heard the answer to that last week. Once yeah. in a while, um, you know, uh, I'll actually respond to the individual or 
or post my own questions. And that's really where the value is for me, is being able to get into a couple of discussions uh, from from everywhere, novice evaluators to professors around the world. Yeah. So I think it for me is about avoiding having to read all the emails on a certain topic if I just am not that interested. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I have to say, I, I agree with you, actually, that I, I will go on to ask specific questions. So I'll just go on temporarily, ask my questions, wait till I get the responses that I need. And it's nice to know that I can very easily go to this audience of evaluators all over the world. And I also will go into the archives, too, when I need to. My question for you is, do you think... Do you think it's advisable for the newbie evaluator? Do you think there's stuff there that they will, you know, can immediately help them, or do you do you think maybe sometimes the level of discussion is is too advanced, or what's your opinion? Well, I've found it helpful over a number of years, and I've put it in front of novice, intermediate evaluators and experts, and. I know some novices who've, who found it very useful as well, particularly, like you said, and I find it a little bit clunky, but to go through the archives yeah, and you can go and see what someone was talking about eight, nine, 10 years ago on a particular topic. If it's, if it's not being discussed today. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I don't, um, I think, I think with the other resources I'll, I'll mention on my list, it just holds a special place. It's interactive and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to see there's uh, some evaluators are still alive and well and posting. Right, right. So, you know, another thing that I actually do like about a bell talk when I, when I go on and I need something is I know that I'm immediately accessing all of those thousands of evaluations that happen all over North America or internationally that are in the gray literature or, or even, I mean, is there such a thing as reports that don't even make it to the gray literature, right? So if I'm interested in finding about the evaluation of a, of a certain program for women entrepreneurs, I know that I can go on Eval Talk, see if anybody else has done one. And maybe somebody's done something in Alabama or something like that that just came to mind, or California. And I, and I really like the way that I can get that access. Yeah, that's a really good point. The uh, the sort of special thing about and it reminds me of a uh, of a of another podcast, uh, I think the Newsweek uh, podcast, where they interview the co- the cover story author, and usually the question is, what didn't make it into your cover story article? Well, in Eval Talk, you can ask a question, and if it wasn't published, someone will say, well, listen, we tried that. Oh, right. They'll give you the history and so forth. Right, right. Want me yeah. to tell you the other um, the other couple ones? Yeah, that, uh, bring them on. Yeah, so um, you know, uh, I like my Michaels. Um, yeah, uh, another uh, classic uh, pioneer in our field that uh, Michael Patton always acknowledges is uh, Michael Scriven's work. Mm-hmm. So on his website, michaelscriven.info, uh, he's got some real uh, great uh, resources. One in particular that I thought was worth mentioning uh, that we go back to a lot in healthcare, we do a lot of training, is the evaluation of training resource that he updates once in a while. Oh. It's a checklist uh, that we'll post the hyperlink to. And he takes uh, the sort of famous Donald Kirkpatrick's model of uh, evaluation of training, and he expands on it. And uh, he writes it up only the way Michael Scriven could in, in beautiful prose and uh, colorful language. And uh, it doesn't look like a checklist per se on one page. So it, it took me a little while to get into the headspace of reading through the text, but it is so rich. And it's really been uh, an indispensable resource for us. So it's something that you, you've been using, you go back to 
We have, yeah. In fact, for our own evaluation training that we do uh, for different teams, we've actually taken uh, the step of um, using it uh, to evaluate what we do um, and in whatever stage we expect that the learning or the training's impact, et cetera, uh, should be at or what we hope it to be at. The um, honorable mention, oh, I forgot one more. The last one I, I'll say is a bit more visualization focused. Okay. And I think you're familiar with this one. It's a periodic table of data visualizations. Have you seen it? Oh, that was great. I love it. Yeah, it's a little bit old now, um, uh, but it's it's um, was it, it's kind of inspiring. It's uh, for those of you who know the periodic table or um, you know loathe to remember high school and being subjected to it. It's this gorgeous little table where they've categorized different kinds of visualizations, and you can simply hover your mouse over it. Uh, over any one of the sections, and it'll give you an example. We'll post the hyperlink to this too, of course. But it's um, it's got different examples of data visualization, information visualization, concepts, um, and, and the different uh, uh, kind of options that might be available to us. So I find that really helpful. Yeah, 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 no, that's a great one. You could get lost for hours just looking at all of those for sure. So um, I'm going to turn it over to you, and I know we didn't talk too much about a couple of the other resources off, off the top of my list, but I'm really anxious to hear what your list might be. So you're not going to tell me your honorable mention? Well, I was going to save that for you, but you want me okay. to spill the beans? Yes, yeah, spill the beans. Okay, so I think one of the honorable mentions that I'm leaning on, um, not that this is a love-in, but I think you know recently uh, the Program Sustainability Toolkit that you've uh, introduced to uh, me and a number of other colleagues. There's a oh, toolkit. Yeah. Um, I know you do some some instruction on that, but I think that sustainability in my sector is talked about with a lot of teams. I've seen a lot of interest, not just from evaluators, but the programs we're going to work with. Yeah. And I think it's cardinal to uh, a lot of the recommendations we end up fashioning with, with programs. So uh, the Program Sustainability Toolkit. Now, where's that one from? So that one, and I, I'm... I we're going to put the link up, but so that one was um, put together by the Center for Tobacco Policy Research at Washington University at St. Louis. And I want to credit the people I know. Annalise Calhoun is very involved with it. And she's actually given a workshop on the tool at the AA conference. And this year she was doing it at the Summer Evaluation Institute. And then I also want to credit uh, her colleague, who is Doug Luke, as well in the George Brown School of Social Work, but uh, they've really pushed the agenda on program sustainability forward quite a bit. And I was at a symposium that they put together in February in St. Louis, trying to bring together all sorts of researchers in the area of program sustainability to see um, how we can kind of move the research agenda forward. But they've come up with a great toolkit, a great checklist and inventory. And I think we'll continue to see a lot of really neat stuff out of those guys soon. Yeah, yeah. so I say that's an honorable mention because I, I see that uh, probably emerging as, as, a, as a real useful tool. And then my last honorable mention, probably one of the first resources uh, it's comprehensive. It's got lots of great, uh, you know, sub resources uh, embedded in it. Is the um, the UWEX uh, oh, edu. So yeah. that's the University of Wisconsin Extension program. Uh, the program development and evaluation pages. They have got everything that uh, that you really need to get started, uh, from logic model toolkits uh, to different evaluation instruments. And lots of great examples, slideshows, interactive um, uh, resources. Uh, have you have you gone through that? It sounds like you've seen that. 
Well, you know, um, I, when anybody needs, uh, I give a webinar myself on, on how to do logic models, but if anybody needs to sit down in front of their computer and learn how to do one, I always send them to their uh, slide deck. It's about 60 slides and they're just fabulous. Somebody could sit down, go through them in about an hour, two hours, and they've got a really, really good grounding on logic models. So yeah, that's an excellent resource, James. So that's really my sort of hot list. Is it my well, trip? Yeah, I, I really want to hear your list. Okay, so I haven't ranked mine. Um, and I've been doing a, a bit of scribbling as you've been talking. So I've come up with six. And one thing that I have to say is that my desert island has the internet. <laughs> so both both you and I have desert islands that are more island, less desert, or less distributed. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's definitely Wi-Fi on my desert island. And... Um, you know, this is going to sound terrible because last week I told everybody in the evaluation world that I don't like to write reports. And so my second confession is I'm just too tired to read books. <laughs> I'm just not so good with the big weighty books. I, I, you know, I just feel like I did enough of that in university. And so uh, it's not it's not my favorite source. And so I need my information in short little blasts. So. The first one I want to mention is the AE365 tip a day. And I really like the format where I can get something every day and it covers all sorts of areas. And again, they've what they've started doing is doing theme weeks as well. So one week it might be all about uh, mixed method design. Another week might be about foundations and not-for-profit evaluation. And so if I'm really, really interested in an area, then I really pay attention. If I'm not, I give it a cursory glance. So I really like it. I also like the way that it's incredibly democratic and egalitarian and anybody can put together a post and chances are you'll get up on AEA 365. So yeah, I agree. I think that's a great resource too. That 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 sort of made my uh, third tier list. It's actually, um, maybe to go back to a comment you made earlier, it's definitely a little bit more approachable for some of the novice evaluators I've met. They like that a little less dense maybe than eval talk so that's a that's a great pick well i just wanted to say the downside to aa365 is i have about a hundred unread in my inbox right now <laughs> <laughs> which which is not good and i know there's a lot of really important information there but sometimes i just look at it and go i just can't i can't get to this right now i i can't go to that link i i can't be diverted i've got a deadline so it kind of sits and then they start to pile up in my inbox so Sometimes I think it would be great to have an evaluation of AEA 365 and just get a sense of what percentage are actually being read by people. Or, or am I the only one who has 100 piling up in my inbox? In fact, it might be more than that. Yeah, and they launched that, was it a year, year and a half ago? It's not that old. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't know how many people are. I remember I, I I was one of the first 30, I think, and now I think they're in the thousands. Mm -hmm. So, um Second resource that I have is the AEAE library. And this is where I've just kind of learned over the years to when I'm doing uh, searches for information now, I, I go there as well, because this is my source of gray literature. And uh, so I'll type in whatever I want into their great search engine and I'll get presentations and all sorts of stuff, presentations from past conferences. People can upload whatever they want. There's always a great description. You've got the contact information for the person. So when I am looking for that example of a specific evaluation and I find out that somebody in 
Poughkeepsie or whatever has done it, then I can contact that person and ask them questions about it. So I really like that. Uh, also, the CES, Canadian Evaluation Society, I love the Sunday Weekly Blast that you get from them uh, for a couple reasons. First of all, as an independent contractor, I love the fact that they list evaluation jobs, not only in Canada, but internationally. Very rarely do I actually go after those jobs, but it's really interesting over the years, you know, for somebody who's been a member of, of CES for, I don't know, maybe 20 years, it's really interesting to see how those jobs have blossomed and just grown exponentially. And there's a lot of really interesting work out there for evaluators. So I, re I really enjoy that aspect of it. And it's not just contracts for consultants. There's a lot of permanent jobs listed listed there as well. Um, and then you can also tell the jobs that they're having trouble getting people for. For example, if anybody wants to go into evaluation or monitoring an evaluation in Haiti, I mean, <laughs> they'll take you. The International Red Cross is looking for people. The other thing I like about the, the CES Weekly Blast is it's weekly, so it's not overwhelming. They highlight uh, a journal article every week. They also highlight something in the gray literature every week and any kind of events and educational events that go on as well. So I really like that one. And then uh, I've got to say also Twitter. And so I'm a big fan of evaluation on Twitter now because I started tw tweeting myself two and a half years ago and I've slowly increased the number of people that I'm following and people that are following me. And so now I get a feed once a week in my inbox of uh, what people are posting. And it's a little bit like AEA 365. Sometimes it just feels incredibly overwhelming to go down because most people are, are tweeting resources. They're, they're tweeting links or, or something that involves me going to that particular link. And sometimes, you know, it's a bit like falling down the rabbit hole when you don't have a lot of time. You've got to get you've got to get to the work that needs to be done that day and you can get lost just right. exploring all of that stuff. So sometimes I feel a little bit pressured by that. But there's a number of people that I really enjoy getting their tweets. Uh, Stephanie Evergreen, obviously, Patricia Rogers, Evaluation Central, and and Kay Emery, uh, Jane Davidson does some really nice tweets. Uh, Chris Lisi at Fresh Spectrum does great ones. Better Evaluation. There's a lot of groups that I, I people that I really enjoy um, getting, you know, hearing what they say. So, and and for anybody who's looking for evaluation tweets. Just you put in the hashtag eval, and that's a great way to pick up on on all of those kind of that twittering. And then also people will be doing it for hashtag AEA 2012, so people can get a sense of what's being tweeted about uh, this year's conference as well. So I I too have been a sort of Twitter follower. I started to tweet a little bit now that we've got this podcast. But I confess that I can't say I'm stalking. I don't have Facebook. I don't Facebook stalk. But for Twitter, I, I followed some other people. One of the interesting phenomenons I've noticed is that there's a number of us who ha are following evaluators who are not tweeting. It's like we're waiting for some of these evaluators to say something. Um, I think I was uh, commenting to Michael Patton, um, who's obviously uh, very, very... Uh, uh, busy publishing uh, books and presenting. Uh, he's put a few tweets, but it's been a while. And I said, "So, Michael, you know, there's a number of people following you. When are you gonna, when are you gonna say something else?" And uh, it's it's an interesting phenomenon. It, uh, we'll see how it takes off. Well, so here's my theory about. Apparently, I've been 
evaluation of social media intervention and where uh, Twitter was a big part of it. It was trying to convince um, women over 40 to, it was educating them about uh, STI, sexually transmitted infections. And so Twitter was a big part of it. And what they told me was that when you tweet, you're supposed to tweet something of value, which basically involves a link to some kind of resource or web page or article or something on the web. But what I personally find is I don't have time. I'm, you know, I just, I don't want to be over inundated with information. And I follow Michael Quinn Patton too. And when I signed on to follow him, I, I kind of, was thinking maybe he would drop these pearls of wisdom every once in a while. And I thought that would be really nice, you know, just occasional pearls of wisdom, 140 characters. Anyway, when I started tweeting myself, I thought, well, I have a few pearls of wisdom, so I'm going to drop them. So instead of when I tweet, instead of tweeting a link or referring to something else that somebody else is doing, I've set up a little schedule and every Monday morning, this little reminder pops up on my computer and I think, okay, what am I thinking about this week as an evaluator? What am I struggling with? What's occurred to me? What have I heard somebody say? And so I'm trying to give them, I think we have more value when we get a little bit of insight into what's going on in that person's brain, as opposed to somebody referring me to another resource. I, I don't know. What, what do you think? No, I agree. I mean, I think it's entertaining to follow some people, um, but I don't have a lot of time especially during a work day, if, I, if I've got a chance to check my phone at noon. Um, I like being stimulated with ideas, and I can follow the links or not. Um, but I also find um, just some of the entertaining comments uh, are okay, so long as there's not too many people. How some people can follow hundreds or thousands of people uh, is sort of beyond me. So we'll, I guess it's, it's in its infancy. We'll see who else takes to it. Um, I just wondered if you had anything else on the list, because I want to come back to my first resource, and I, 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 I want to challenge you on your books. Okay, so let, let me just cover my last one. Um, mentors. So uh, I, if I was going, uh, I would, well, first of all, uh, I would like to take uh, Susan Kistler with me, because uh, she's a great resource in terms of, software and nifty little online technical tools that can really help the evaluator. So every every year at the conference, she usually does a session on 40 low-cost free tools for evaluators. Yeah, that's right. Fabulous. So whenever I need anything kind of technical, I think Susan Kistler and also LaMarcus Bolton from the AEA, great resources in that area. Um, and then I have a personal mentor um, who uh, is a, a, an evaluator. Her name is Mary Lee Stevenson. She's been in the field for years. And, and she's a resource for me on client relations. Mm. So, like, uh, you know, I had an issue once with a client who didn't want to share information with me. So, uh, you know, got on the phone with her and said, Mary Lee, what do I do? And uh, she was great because she had 30 years of experience in evaluation and she's just been a, a great, great resource in that area. And... Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it for me. Those are my those are my resources. So interesting, very different from the ones that that you've mentioned. And uh, I don't like books. <laughs> well, so I think the list is quite complimentary. I definitely like most of what you've said. So here's the thing about books, and um, it it actually Michael Compatton said it in his most recent book. That I didn't pick this one because I'm not quite finished it yet. But you know he's done a book called uh, The Essentials 
uh, of evaluation or essentials of utilization focused evaluation. I think the, the, the premise starts with a quote that it says, quote unquote, Patton's book is overwhelming. And it was a, on a slide that he'd seen. And he tells a story, though. And, and here's the thing. He tells a story about a, a friend or colleague of his who said that he was really glad that he had the fourth edition of the utilization focused evaluation book because it was so thick that when he had to sleep in an overnight train and it had no pillows, he was able to make use of this great book. So on a desert island, you've forgotten to bring a pillow. I've got my thick book. I've got two of them. Uh, so, uh, you know, at least I'll, I'll, at least I'll have that. Well, there you go. So James, it's getting close to time to wrapping up. So next time we meet, we're going to be talking about developmental evaluation, the perspectives from an internal versus an external evaluator. Yeah, let's talk about that. That sounds good. So do you want to give people the, the spiel, the ending spiel? <laughs> you bet. So for those of you who are listening to our podcast, we would very much like to add a segment on listener mail. Uh, so please email us with your comments, suggestions, protests uh, to adventures and evaluation podcast at gmail.com. For those of you who want to subscribe uh, to us on iTunes, we're there now in the iTunes library. And last but not least, if you want to post a comment or you prefer to listen through your PC, you can go to adventuresinevaluation.podbean.com. Yeah, and, and we have a new page now, which is called Coming Soon, where we're listing some of the upcoming topics that we're going to be talking about. So again, any suggestions you have for us, then just contact us. Until then, I'm Kylie Hutchinson. And I'm James Coyle. Goodbye. Goodbye.